All right, I'm so thankful this morning for gift of praise and song and worship and how God ministers to our heart. That's a release, isn't it, when you have all these things that you're worried about, the struggles, and all of a sudden, you know, you begin to sing and praise the Lord and set your mind on Him, and all of a sudden, in His greatness and in His largeness, the small things that we worry about kind of just wash away with His grace and glory. So I'm so thankful that we can come together and worship and praise God like this as well. Uh, we well, might have saw a picture earlier of um, a group of um, congregants, let me say it like that, of worshipers. Uh, and uh, they are the church at Bod, Romania. And they sent us a picture and a New Year's welcome. And so I just want to pass that on to you. If you see it later on as it rolls through sometime at the end of the service, uh, you'll see the adults in the back, kids in the front. And then this one funny looking kid squatted down in the middle of it, all of it. And that, that's Soren. Uh, he's not really a kid, but he's kind of hiding himself amongst the kids. And uh, so uh, we're so thankful to receive greetings from them. They had a wonderful Christmas. Uh, all the gifts that you shared with them to purchase Christmas gifts was an incredible blessing to them. They were able to minister to uh, 150 or so kids probably in three different villages. And so they are so thankful. And I'm sure if every one of those kids could send you a thank you today, that they certainly would do that because you made a special Christmas for them. So thank you, church family, for being giving and caring and for reaching out to people that you don't know. Uh, I'm sure that you'll only maybe um, meet one or two of these guys, three or four of these guys, throughout your lifetime, and that's because we bring them here. (laughs) But uh, the rest of them will see you in heaven, those that are Christians, and they can reflect with you on those gifts. And so thank you for that. I want to invite you this morning to turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. Last few Sunday mornings we've been thinking about how the birth of Jesus Christ related to other people. Uh, You know, we thought about Mary and Joseph and how that the birth of uh, Jesus uh, related to them personally and particularly uh, uh, ones like the shepherds and how that birth related to them, how that they came that evening to see what was going on and to visit the newborn Jesus King. Uh, But this morning I want us to take a little turn And look at a man, his name is Simeon. And Simeon is a guy that uh, would meet Jesus a few days after his birth. As a matter of fact, they would meet Simeon in the temple. Because on the eighth day, it was required by law that Mary and Joseph would bring Jesus to the temple. And they would have him circumcised. And uh, Mary would offer an offering for her purity and her purification. And then they would... Give him his official name. Uh, now the Bible says that official name they gave him was Jesus. And they, they got that name because the angels told them to name him Jesus. And so they did that very thing. And so as they were there for these particular things uh, in, in the temple, they met a man named Simeon. Now listen, Jesus not only came to die on a cross for our sins, but one of his objectives also was to live a perfect life, to live the law out in a perfect way so that you and I could not only identify with his death, his payment for our sins, but we could also identify with his righteousness. 
the fact that he lived out the law, that he kept the law. And so the beginning of his days were certainly in obedience to the laws as well as the end of his days here on earth were as well. And so they brought him to the temple and they met this guy named Simeon. Listen to the encounter that they had with him. Luke chapter 2, beginning of verse 25. Let me read for you through verse 35. It says, And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. So it, he came by the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you're letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all peoples, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken to him, of him. And then Simeon blessed him and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is destined for the fall and the rising of many in Israel and for a sign which shall be spoken against. Yes, a word will pierce through your own soul also that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. Bow with me if you wouldn't. Let's pray this morning. Father in heaven, we are so thankful today for the gift of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Father, as we've looked and how so many people looked upon the birth of Jesus Christ and so so many different wonderful things, yet individually and personally, Jesus Christ affected each one of them, just as individually and personally affects us each day, that each one of us here this morning have had and been affected by Jesus Christ. Father, I just pray this morning that you would help reveal even further the confidence and the hope that we have in our Savior, Jesus Christ. Father, make us stronger for having been here this morning. Lord, help us to release and cast off our burdens that we might have here today and focus on our Savior, Jesus Christ, this morning. Father, for I ask it all in His name. Amen. You know, first of all, as you begin to think about Simeon, and all of a sudden he was there at the temple waiting, 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 right? The first thing we see about Simeon is Simeon's weight. Uh, the Bible is, is pretty, um, pretty evident that Simeon had been, been there many, many times looking for what he saw that day. Uh, when you begin to think about it, some of the hardest things, or one of the hardest things it is for us to do is not necessarily going to, to work or not, not necessarily worrying about something, but isn't it really waiting on something? How many of you have trouble waiting? Anybody? Anybody? Hard, isn't it? It's hard. Sometimes we look at waiting as, as wasting. You know, why, why should we, you know, put this off and put this off? Why can't it happen now? I don't, or why, why doesn't God move now? Why, why doesn't He speak to me now? Or why doesn't He reveal Himself now? If He would just tell me what to do. Have you ever been there before? <laughs> I mean, I'm willing. I, I, I'm ready. I'm prepared. Why don't He just... Show me what it is I need to do. All of a sudden, I mean, it's just silent, isn't it? 
no message, no word, no urging. Let me tell you, as a pastor, I can't tell you how many years that, how many different times all of a sudden, you know, as a pastor, do you know what Monday is? Monday's preparation for Sunday for a pastor. So all of a sudden, you begin Sunday, I mean Monday, preparing for next Sunday. And maybe even further out than that. And so you begin to pray, Lord, you know, show me the message you want me to preach. And then sometimes it's Tuesday you're praying the same prayer, and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday and maybe even up to Sunday morning. I'm willing to show show me. Uh, You know, I've often told Jack, I said, you know, the hardest thing about, about preparing a message is discovering what it's going to be. And then the rest kind of falls in place. And so we would just wait, wait, wait. But, but you know, I've also found out that waiting does something to us. Yeah, it doesn't drive us crazy. Okay. But it does something to us. Really, I think waiting prepares us or works in us or shapes us to become the people that God wants us to be. Well, my thought's always this, Lord, isn't there an easier way? You know, I mean, you're, you're God Almighty. Couldn't you just make me who you want me to be? <laughs> There's that waiting thing again, isn't it? You see, Simeon was being shaped by God through his waiting, but yet because of who he was, he was able to wait. Kind of a two sides to the coin. You see, Simeon's wait, he he, he did that or he was able to wait, first of all, because of the person that he was. And he became the person he was because he was waiting on God. Uh, Listen to verse 25. It says, And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of, of Israel. So all of a sudden, we get some insight into who this guy was, Simeon. He was a guy who was just and devout, and he was waiting. Uh, you see, the idea of, of, of just and devout was that Simeon was a man who was committed to God. That, that he was committed to God for the long haul. Some place in Simeon's life, he came to the decision and to the commitment that, you know what, that God, no matter how long it takes... Or no matter how long I have to wait, that I'm going to be available for your will to be done in my life. That if it takes a day or a year or ten thousand or a thousand years, I'm going to wait if we had that long. And so Simeon was described, the person that he was was someone who was committed to God, who was ready to go whatever length it took to see God's will. Performed in his life. Now, you know, sometimes we are less than patient in our waiting on God, aren't we? Sometimes our patience turns into frustration. And our frustration turns into anger. And then that anger sometimes turns into hopelessness. And then we give up. But Simeon was committed to... God working out this thing for him and in his life. 
And so he was able to wait. You know, one of the things that you and I have to realize as believers is that, that God sometimes takes a long view of life. And as long as he wants to work in us, we need to be committed to that work. Then we become the people that God wants us to be. Well, not only did he wait because of the person he was, but look a little bit further in the verse, that he was able to wait because of the power that he had. If you, uh, on in verse 25, it goes on to say that he was waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was upon him. Listen, we have absolutely no hope of waiting patiently on God apart from the power of the Holy Spirit working in us. <laughs> Human power <coughs> has no predisposition to wait. The human nature never wants to wait. The people that we are physically never want to wait. And, and, and apart as believers, as, as having the, the, the person of the Holy Spirit living in us, that, that He gives us the ability, the power to wait. Uh, you know, as believers, the Bible says the Holy Spirit was upon Him. You and I, today, as believers in the day that we live in today, in the age of the church, we would say that we're filled with the Holy Spirit. We're not filled with the Holy Spirit. We're not going to be able to wait. I mean, come on. Uh, unless the Spirit of God is controlling our lives, unless we're submissive and surrendered to Him, we're not going to be able to wait in the degree that Simeon did, waiting on God's performing His purpose in our lives today. As believers, we yield ourselves to the Holy Spirit. And that powerful Spirit in us helps us to wait. He encourages us along the way. What do we need? You know, what do we want to do when we're waiting? We want to give up. The Spirit of God in us, he, he, he becomes our cheerleader, our encourager. And He says, don't give up. Hold on. You, you, you can make it. He's our, you know, I, I'm really kind of uh, intrigued by uh, these things called life coaches. You know, have you ever seen somebody needs a life coach tell them how to live? Coach them how to live? Uh, you know, as, as, as Christians, we have a built-in life coach. And He's the Holy Spirit. And if we'll let Him, He'll show us how to live our lives for Him. And so, so the, the, the Spirit of God in us. You see, a believer who's filled with the Holy Spirit can do incredible things. The Bible gives testimony of it. In the book of Acts, the believers that were filled with the Holy Spirit stood up in, in the face of death and destruction and they preached the gospel boldly. In the New Testament, the Bible says in the book of Acts that believers like Stephen gave up their lives full of the Holy, he was full of the Holy Spirit. You see, in us, the Spirit of God can work in us uh, the power and the courage to do whatever God calls us to. To preach, to testify, to witness, to live a life for the glory of Jesus Christ, all while we're waiting on God to fulfill His will in our life. And so he was able to wait because of the power that he had. Let me give you a third thing. Not only the, the person he was and the power that he had, but he was also able to wait because of the promise he believed. If you look at verse 26, it says, And it had been revealed to him 
by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Wow, what a promise, isn't it? <laughs> I want you to think about if if we really believed the promises of God like Simeon did, I mean, we, we'd be dynamic, wouldn't we? I mean, here's Simeon. It, it doesn't matter. You, you could threaten him with anything. He says, you can't do anything to me because I haven't seen the Lord's Christ. <laughs> you, you, you can't hurt me because I hadn't seen the Lord's Christ. Right? How about Satan? You can't harm me because greater is he that's within me than he's in the world. Or death, you have no victory over me because Jesus is going to prepare a place for me and that where, I am, or there, where he is, there, he shall, there I shall be also. I mean, just those promises. Believing those promises can give us the capacity to wait on God. Can you imagine the confidence that he had holding on to this promise of God? (laughs) Maybe people ask him, why do you keep coming to the temple? Why why do you keep doing all this? Why why do you keep bothering? Why, Why are you here every day? And seen the Lord's Christ. He could take all the ridicule and all the questions because he stood on the promises of God. The confidence because of the one who had made the promise. Hold on to God's promises, right? They're eternal and they're helpful in our lives today. And so how could Simeon wait for... For, for, for this event to happen because he said, hey, I've got a promise. I, I'm going to wait because God hadn't fulfilled his word to me yet. Think about the promises God has made to you as a believer. Uh, let me give you just one short one. Being confident is the very thing that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Do you know what that promise says? Is that God's going to finish you. That there's no way that you're going to be incomplete. That there's no way that He's going to stop anywhere in the process of, of, of making you mature and whole in Jesus Christ. And so, what does that give us the ability to do to wait? Well, let me give you a fourth thing. Not that, that Simeon could wait, not only because of the promise and power and person he was, but also the prompting that he followed. Uh, listen at verse 27 he says and and so he came by the spirit into the temple and when the parents had had brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law so what was listen the Bible says so he came in to the temple by the spirit in other words the spirit prompted him to come can can you imagine Uh, listen Jesus I don't know how long it took for Mary and Joseph to do what they needed to do for Jesus for Mary in the temple. I don't know, maybe an hour, maybe two hours, I don't know. But a short window of time. And, and what if Simeon had missed this whole thing? What, what if all this waiting and waiting and waiting and all, all of a sudden they get in, they get out, Simeon doesn't see him. But you see, the Bible says he was prompted by the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit says, Simeon, if you don't see this thing, you better get to the temple. <laughs> 
I mean, if, if, you, if you want this blessing, you better get to the temple. How many times do we miss the prompting of the Holy Spirit? How many times does God speak to our heart? He says, you know, you urge us, nag in our spirit to do something, say something, go somewhere. And we ignore it. You see, think about what we miss when we quench the Spirit. In all those divine appointments that God is urging us to move toward, preparing for our meetings, and all of a sudden we just quench the Spirit and say no. And we miss God's blessing. You see, Simeon was able to wait because he was sensitive to the moving of the prompting of the Holy Spirit. So one of the great things that Simeon experienced, the coming of Jesus Christ, was he waited. He waited. Now listen, some of you guys went through Christmas and you could hardly wait, couldn't you? And you couldn't even wait 10 days. You couldn't even wait 12 days. Our, our, our kids were so impatient during Christmas when they were little. My, Jackie started a thing within the 12 days before Christmas. <laughs> And gave them a gift each day for 12 days before Christmas because they couldn't wait. And that, you know, that's indulging, isn't it, I guess? I don't know. They were little gifts. But in preparation for the big gift, big gift. Uh, and so we're like that often. Uh, but yet Simeon waited. Let me give you something else that Simeon did. Not only did Simeon wait, but Simeon, Simeon worshipped. He worshipped the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, if, if you look at verse 28 and following, uh, Simeon experienced in his worship, he experienced, hear me now, he experienced satisfaction. We ought always, when we worship God, be satisfied. You know, when, when we come before his presence and when we enter into worship, it, it, it really, in my mind, it's a picture of a celebration and a fellowship. Uh, there's a, a description of an event in, that's going to happen in heaven later on in the future in Revelation 19 that, that always reminds me of the great family of God and how the family of God embraces worship. And it's the marriage supper of the Lamb. And it's when the church is surrounded, uh, surrounding the Lord Jesus Christ in a great celebration. And there's this great joy that's going on and this great sense of satisfaction And certainly he was satisfied. Listen to what verse 28 says. And he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you're letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. What was Simeon saying? Thank you, God. I'm satisfied now. I've I've gotten everything that you've ever said that I was going to get. I'm full. I'm blessed. And it's amazing to experience your fullness. See, I think that really ought to be our experience on Sunday morning. So we come together in God's house hungry because we've been starved maybe throughout the week. (laughs) 
And we've been in a world that's cold and indifferent and a a world that causes us sometimes to be anxious and uh, upset. And yet in in all of that, here we come together in God's house with God's people sharing and singing praises to God. And then all of a sudden, here's this wonderful sense of satisfaction. Satisfying. And coming together in the presence of God. And so when Simeon worshipped that he experienced satisfaction. Well, look at verses 30 and 32. Simeon enjoyed his salvation. Simeon didn't get saved here, but he enjoyed the salvation that he had. And when we worship God, we enjoy the, the salvation that we have. Right? Isn't it really a worship celebration of our salvation? It's, it's really a kind of a, a, a thank you, God, or an acknowledgement to God, or, or praise to God for saving us. And listen to what he says in, in, in these verses. He says, for my eyes have seen your salvation. Listen, maybe in worship there's not another time that we experience on earth a vision or an understanding of our salvation like we do in worship. It may be the context where we're more open and understanding of our salvation than maybe any other time. I'm not saying that, but sometimes that's a likelihood is that, that we, we see it that way. And so he, he's looking at the baby and he's holding the baby in his arms and he's looking down and he's saying, I, I, I'm seeing my salvation. Isn't that amazing? In this gift of Jesus Christ, Simeon saw his Savior. His Savior. And in that he worshiped God. You see, your salvation, you know, really what he was saying is that when he looked down at that, that baby, he was really saying, Your salvation is here. In other words, my salvation is here. I mean, it's arrived. Uh, it, it's, it's, it's present with me. Every one of us today, because of Jesus Christ, ha- has the opportunity to either be saved and come to Jesus Christ or reject that gift of salvation. The Bible says, whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. He's present. He's ready to save. Uh, Isaiah says that his arm's not too short to reach out and to save. In other words, you had not gone so far away from God or too far away from God that he cannot reach out and save you. I remember for a long time, I was so embarrassed about my sin. Before I came to Jesus Christ, I wondered whether God could save me, let alone whether He would save me or not. By kind of the realization, if He didn't save me, I wasn't going to be saved, so I had to trust Him. And and so, you know, Simeon looked down and he says, here's my salvation. Look at at verse 31. He says, "Uh, which you have prepared before the face of all people. In other words, my salvation is real. I mean, He is here and He is real. He's prepared. That word prepared means that something that's come into reality or existence, that Jesus Christ was prepared. In other words, He was the one destined to provide our salvation, the Bible says, before the foundation of the world. Lamb slain before the foundation of the world. So not only is your Savior here, but your Savior is real. He's real. Look at verse 32. A light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. Your salvation is revealed. My salvation is revealed. Just like Simeon's salvation was revealed. He's here. 
He's real. And he is revealed to you. And so because of that, Simeon enjoyed the fact of his Savior as he worshiped God. So when Simeon saw the newborn king, Simeon's reaction after all of his waiting was to worship. But finally, let me give you one last thing about his experience. Simeon's warning. He gave a warning about this babe and about who he would be and about his birth and uh, about the things that would come from him. Uh, If you look at verse 33, excuse me, verse 34, he gave a warning of confrontation. He says, Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, the child is destined for the fall and rising of many in Israel. In other words, Simeon looked at this little child and he says, One day this child is going to confront all people, right? That, that he's going to be either someone that they'll rise on or someone that they'll stumble over. When you look at the prophecies of Jesus Christ and what the New Testament says in several places, it compares Jesus Christ to be a stone, a cornerstone, but yet to some a stone or a rock of offense. Some would look at Jesus Christ and say, Hallelujah, Savior, like Simeon did. Or or, Messiah, Lord. Or or, like the centurion, surely this must have been the Son of God. And some would look at Him and say, Crucify Him. Crucify Him. Some would look at Him and say, Oh, wow, this is just a carpenter's son from Nazareth. And some would fall at his knees and worship him. When Simeon saw this little babe, he said, Mary, get yourself ready because here's what's going to happen. He is going to confront people. And some are going to believe and some are going to reject. And so there's going to be this confrontation. If you look a little bit further, not only a warning of confrontation, but a warning of conflict that would conflict. Be a conflicting idea or thought in verse 35. Excuse me, the end of verse 34. It says, uh, and uh, for a sign which will be spoken against, uh, yes, a sword will pierce through your own soul and the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. What's he saying? He says, and, and for a sign which shall be spoken against. Conflict, Right. He would be the one that there would be many that would speak against him. They would call him a blasphemer. They would call him a son of Beelzebub, the devil. They would call him a liar. And he would bring conflict. Conflict among the priests, conflict among the people, uh, conflict. The Bible says that he would set uh, mother against child and, and, and brother against brother. Why? Because of what they believed about him. Even today, in our world today, we see that people coming to Jesus Christ can sometimes cause a conflict in the family. Uh, I, I, I promise you, if you're uh, a Muslim who receives Jesus Christ in, in your hometown, you'll cause a conflict. And, and you'll be in the minority in that conflict. Because they'll all be coming after you. Right? 
If you're a missionary that goes to certain places in the world, you'll cause a conflict because of the name of Jesus Christ that you preach. Some places you and I go in our social circles that if we go in talking about Jesus, we're going to cause a conflict. I mean, your workplace may say, hey, you can't talk like that in the workplace. And you'll cause a conflict. Simeon looked at this baby. He said to his mother, how you look? <laughs> There's gonna, this little guy's going to grow up <clears throat> and he's going to become someone that the world's going to be conflicted about. Still true today. And then finally he gave a warning of conviction. About conviction. Listen to verse 25 at the end, or verse 35. It says... Uh, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. Thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. A warning about conviction. Who can reveal our heart like God can? Who reveals our inner struggles, our inner person, like Jesus Christ does? Who can really get to the very inner person, the deep things of who we are and the person we are? The Bible says the Word of God is like a sword and it's sharper than any two-edged sword. And it divides the joint and the marrow to the thoughts and the intents. It, It gets to the deep parts of who we are and it begins to reveal those things about us. You know, in all reality as human beings, we can fool a lot of people. And we can make a lot of people think a lot of things about us, about who we want, the image that we want to portray. See, this world's all about image, isn't it? It's the image that we project. It's the persona that we have. It's uh, the outer person that we want others to see. (laughs) But you see, Jesus gets to the heart. And he's a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. And so Simeon looked at this little baby and he said, Mary, one day I I want to warn you that when he comes and when he begins to interact with people, that there'll be a deep sense of conviction in the hearts of people that Christ confronts. You know what I'm talking about? If you're a Christian here today, there was a time in your life when Jesus convicted you of your sin of your separation from God because of that sin that he convicted you about what that was going to do in eternity for you or to you that deep sense of separation from God but He also convicted you about what you needed to do or what He had done for you and that you needed to believe in Him and believe on Him as your Savior. And if you would, you'd have eternal life. You see, that's Jesus. He doesn't go anywhere that there's not conviction. He confronts our laziness, He confronts our apathy. He confronts our unbelief. 
He confronts our commitment, our Christian life, our service to Him, all those things. And Simeon said, I told you He would. And He did. I wonder if we see Jesus in some ways like Simeon did. Do we see Him in a way that we have a desire to wait on Him? Do we see Jesus in a way that we want to worship Him? Do we see Him in a way that we're sensitive to what He warns us about in life? One of the great warnings I found in Scriptures in the book of Hebrews. And the writer of Hebrews says one thing. He says, how can we neglect so great a salvation? Bow with me and let's pray.